now it's time for us to discuss more of these headlines and simple keywords with Adam joining us on the line. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, Lena. How are you doing? I'm not too shabby. <laughs> I don't know why I hesitated, but uh, I'm not too shabby. <laughs> you sound so wired. <laughs> Good morning to you. Let's it's jump because into... because I had my yeah. morning coffee, that's why. Oh, was that not a part of your normal routine previously? It's usually after the show, but I had it pre-show this time, and I think <laughs> it's working. I downed it quite quickly. It's working, definitely, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Adam. Fully caffeinated. Let's jump into our keyword news portion of the day. As always, we're going to try to clarify some of these major headlines for all of our listeners, and this is our first keyword of the day. Yoon Kishida meeting. So President Yoon Song yeol and Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida have met in New York to discuss pending issues. Uh, first summit in three years. Clearly, there are mutual goals, namely dealing with a nuclear state. Uh, what did they talk about? Right. So this meeting came after kind of, you know, will they or won't they meet? And uh, there was kind of uh, discussions about the nature of their meeting. Is it an official summit? Is it just a casual sit down? But uh, what is important is that they did meet and it lasted for 30 minutes uh, and it happened in a conference building close to the UN headquarters in New York and it marked the first one-on-one talks between uh, the leaders of the two nations this, uh, since December 2019. Now, they agreed on the need to improve bilateral relations by resolving pending issues and they agreed to instruct their diplomats to accelerate talks between them and they also vowed to continue discussions between themselves as well. So we might be seeing some more mm. summits and uh, talks between the leaders of the two countries. And they also shared serious concern also about North Korea's nuclear program. Mm. And they agreed to cooperate closely with the international community to respond to it. Mm. Uh, it wasn't immediately clear whether the wartime forced labor issue was directly addressed, though. That is kind of one of the key sticking points that have frayed ties between the neighbors. Um, the presidential office also said Yoon and Kashida also agreed to stand together with the international community in defending the universal values shared by their countries. Mm. Uh, it added that Seoul has taken the first step toward producing tangible results in resolving frayed relations between the two countries. Um, and that wasn't the only meeting that Yoon had. He had a string of them, in fact. Uh, and one with U.S. President Joe Biden is also in the pipeline as well. Meanwhile, um, you sat down with U.N. Secretary General Antonio Guterres to discuss the threats to peace and stability posed by North Korea. Mm. And Yoon asked Guterres to continue his support for a stern response by the international community in the case of a resumption uh, in nuclear tests or additional nuclear provocations, mm. the speculation that North Korea may mm. conduct its seventh nuclear test and the Western nations and South Korea are all um, basically making uh, or saying that they're going to be responding sternly. Uh, and Guterres also vowed for a clear response by the UN Security Council in that regard as well. All right. Uh, also coming out of the, the UN uh, General Assembly, let's take a look at the American president's speech. This is our second keyword of the day. Biden's speech. Not very tactfully, but I didn't want to steal your thunder. But there's only so many <laughs> ways I can describe the speech. Um, right. All right. So U.S. President Joe Biden also had something to say about North Korea at the U.N. General Assembly. What did he have to say, Adam? Right. Well, he singled out North Korea uh, as well as Russia, China and Iran as what he called major threats to the U.N.'s nuclear nonproliferation goals. And he said that, quote, no matter what else is happening in the world, the United States is ready to pursue critical arms control measures. 
Uh, he added that a nuclear war cannot be won and must never be fought. And he noted that North Korea continues to blatantly violate uh, UN sanctions. Mm -hmm. And he also said the US is prepared to pursue what he called critical arms controls measures, no matter what is happening in the world. He noted that he was seeing what he called disturbing trends. And he said China's pursuit of what he called an unprecedentedly concerning nuclear buildup without transparency was one such uh, disturbing trend. Uh, and Biden reaffirmed U.S. commitment to use diplomacy to address such issues as well. So he has to start words, but he seems to be open to diplomatic dialogue. Mm. So the, the large narrative remains the same. The approach agreeable by some of these major nations, including but not limited to Japan, the United States and South Korea, right? Uh, maybe making a point without making a complete enemy out of North Korea, saying here, we want to sit down and talk, but conduct another nuclear test and we'll also respond sternly. Right. Let's turn our attention to the economy section. This is our third keyword of the day. Fed rate hike. Yet another one. So the U.S. Federal Reserve has raised its benchmark interest rates by another three quarters of a percentage point and indicated it will keep hiking well above the current level to tame inflation. The goal has always been the same. Is it having its desired effect? Not quite. What's the latest? Yeah. Yeah, so quite some hawkish remarks coming out of the Fed, and uh, it was pretty much expected, but it is another big step uh, indeed. It brings the Fed's federal funds rate up to a range of 3% to 3 and a quarter percent which is the highest it has been since early 2008, ever since the global financial crisis. Uh, and therefore, stocks kind of seesawed following the announcement, with the Dow Jones most recently down uh, slightly. Uh, the market swung as well as Fed Chairman Jerome Powell discussed the outlook for interest rates and the economy. Uh, not very uh, rosy, uh, to put it simply. Uh, traders, they have been concerned that the Fed is remaining more hawkish for longer than some had actually anticipated. Uh, projections from the meeting indicated that the Fed expects to raise rates by at least one and a quarter percentage points in its two remaining meetings this year. Uh, Powell said the FOMC is strongly resolved to bringing inflation down to 2%, and he added that the Fed will keep at it until the job mm -hmm. is done. So he's pretty adamant about raising hikes in order to make that inflation rate go down to mm -hmm. that target range. Um, now, the increases that started in March marked the most aggressive Fed tightening since it started using the overnight funds rates as its principal policy tool back in 1990. The only comparison was in 1994, when the Fed hiked to a total of two and a, uh, two and a quarter percentage points. Mm. It would begin cutting rates by July of the following year. Uh, along with the massive rate increases, Fed officials signaled the intention of continuing to hike until the funds level um, hits a terminal rate or end point of 4.6% mm. in 2023. Mm. So basically a long, a more prolonged uh, monetary policy or tightening monetary policy and that implies a quarter point rate hike next year but no decreases so it certainly seems like we're going to be seeing more interest rate hikes uh, there are concerns though of a recession of course if mm. rates do continue to be raised mm. at uh, the current pace uh, and Powell actually conceded that that could be a possibility mm. um, and the Fed will make interest rate decisions meeting by meeting Powell noted adding that at some point it will be appropriate to slow the pace of rate hikes. Uh, Fed officials currently expect to raise rates uh, higher than before and keep them at 
at uh, that level uh, for longer. Officials see the Fed funds rate rising to 4.4% by the end of this year and 4.6% by the end of 2023. Whether we'll see decreases after that remains to be seen. Mm. And with that, let's move on to our fourth keyword of the day. Trade deficit. So the latest trade data shows that for the first time in 25 years, Korea is on course to post a trade deficit for a sixth consecutive month. Tell us the details, Adam. Yeah, certainly bad news for uh, importers more than exporters at the moment. Uh, but um, uh, sorry, exporters rather right. than importers on whatever currency you're dealing with as well. So it's pretty much... Uh, Good news or bad news for depending on what kind of industry you're working in. Uh, the Korea Customs Service reported that the country's trade deficit for the first 20 days of September amounted to 4.1 billion US dollars. That's down about 9% on year. Uh, the nation posted nearly 33 billion dollars in exports, while ex- uh, imports increased 6% uh, on year to 37 billion dollars over the corresponding period. Uh, during the first 20 days of this month, outbound shipments to China. The largest trading partner for Korea decreased by 14% mm. on year. Exports to the US, another uh, vital trading partner, fell by just over 1%. And those to the EU fell by more than 15%. Mm. Uh, economists warned that the worsening trade deficit could have a bigger impact not only on the economy, but also on markets. Mm. It could possibly undermine foreign investor sentiment, as foreign investors may view the export-driven economy as losing uh, it's a luster, if you will. Mm. Uh, the Korea Economic Research Institute said in a report as well that the ongoing trade deficit could bring about capital outflow among foreign investors. So we mm. could see more volatility in the foreign uh, forex markets. Mm. Now, the agency attributed the decline to fewer operating days due to Chuseok, uh, which of course fell earlier uh, uh, in September. Um, now, Finance Minister Chu kyung said the government will be closely monitoring risk and do all it can to address the trade deficit. He added that the government will inject around $9 million of reserve funds to, to uh, reducing logistics costs for exporters, who certainly will be taking a hit from this. All right. And on to our final keyword of the day. Nuclear threat. So Russian President Vladimir Putin has announced an immediate partial mobilization of 300,000 reservists and threatened to deploy nuclear weapons in the war against Ukraine. This is adding to concerns that its invasion of Ukraine could even escalate further. Right. Uh, certainly some ominous words coming out uh, from the Russian president. It was a pre-recorded address mm. broadcast of state TV. And Putin said he was calling up reservists to aid in Russia's war uh, against Ukraine. He did not implement a general conscription drive for now, though. He added that in the first instance, reservists with training and experience would be called uh, to join up. Uh, Putin's strategy allows him to kind of duck the explosive political fallout of more Prosperous families, uh, the oligarchs in Moscow and St. Petersburg, having to send their children with no military experience to fight on the front lines. Mm. So there could could be some uh, backlash there. Uh, He also baselessly accused the West of threatening to use nuclear weapons and gestured to Russia's own uh, nuclear arsenal. So basically, you say that if you use nuclear weapons, I will do too. Uh, NATO officials have not threatened Russia with nuclear weapons, though. That's why the claims have been uh, cited as uh, baseless. Now, nonetheless, Putin offered a scenario in which he could or would launch a nuclear strike. And he also said that if the what he called territorial integrity of his country is threatened, he'll use all the means to protect mm-hmm. Russia 
and its people, adding that he was not bluffing. Uh, his reference to territorial integrity uh, came alongside efforts from the Kremlin to organize referendums to formally annex the parts of Ukraine its military has captured so far. Uh, that process, which Western officials have, of course, denounced as illegitimate, could give Putin a pretext to claim a more expansive definition of Russian territory, including these parts of Ukraine, and uh, give him more kind of excuses to kind of use more military force. Right. Um, Putin raised the prospect of nuclear escalation on the first day, actually, of the invasion of Ukraine in February. So it's not the first threat that he has made. So that's why I think he's adding the term that he wasn't bluffing this time. Mm -hmm. uh, but several experts believe that Russia isn't really likely to use nuclear weapons, even if it did uh, make the threat. All right. Uh, the latest out of the, the war in Ukraine. Let's uh, keep our tabs on it. Thank you so much, Adam, for today's coverage. Have a safe day. I'll see you tomorrow. You're very welcome. See you tomorrow. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.